0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Gamers Gambit with your hosts, Al and Wayne. So, how is it going today, Wayne?
1: Al, I have the most brilliant thing to tell you about today. It came in today for the Kickstarter thing. It's not supposed to come in till tomorrow, but I got it today. As I back the Kickstarter it's the bloody ritual of the night. It's almost you would say blood-stained it's a ritual of the night um and I like it I like it I like it I like it. All I'm saying so far.
0: you know what's funny you were talking about that because uh, you know I actually I shaved right before we started the uh, you know the to record today and it's like I cut myself shaving so you know what else is bloodstained?
1: you are you are really <laughs> getting into this today you are. yes, the
0: actually the piece of toilet paper I'm holding in my hand right now because every now and then I've had to kind of dab and uh you know to to soak up some of the blood, so but we're not here to talk about my blood stained face or the blood stained piece of toilet paper in my hand right now, so like i said you uh we mentioned a while ago that uh you know you were you did back the Kickstarter. And yep. so the product finally came in today. Which version did you get?
1: So I I went all in back when I had a, a great job and I I could afford it. Um, uh, today maybe it would be able to be done. Maybe it would be. Um, I went for the $175 version version that would include a, a little art book, um, and some you know little extra dingly bits. Um, now, sadly, because of, a uh, printing problem, most of my, like, little, like, the art book that was supposed to come wasn't able to make it. I don't know why they didn't send, like, the lapel pins and some of the other, uh, you know what I mean, little extra stuff that you were supposed to get. But I'm imagining they'll send one, you know, weird box with that kind of stuff in. Um, but with that, I got a physical version of the game with a really cool kind of holographic slip case. There's been some grumpiness online because apparently uh, Best Buy got a steel case version and they're all like, well, we got this crappy slip case. And I'm looking at this little slip case and going, you know, while I like steel cases, um, this nice little holographic kind of, it's not really holographic, but it's kind of like a silver, and you put it to the light, and it, you know, it has the different colors and stuff. I, 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 I'm just fine with it, you know. But like I said, all I, all I got today was the game, so I'm still waiting for some of my extras to come in um, from the 175 dollar version, and I'm pretty sure that's just because, like I said, they had some kind of a printing issue that they couldn't get, um, you know, all the printing done in time.
0: So with the, did you get it for the, 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 the PC, for, the Xbox, PlayStation?
1: So I've got a copy for the PS4, um, and then I've got a digital copy that won't re- be released till later this month. Uh, cause the, for some reason, PlayStation doesn't release their codes right away to like Kickstarters. Um, I've had two games so far that's do, done this, um, and I got one for the Xbox, which again will be coming out later this month. So I'll be able to look, I'm pretty sure it won't be very much different. I don't really play a game like this on the computer very much because I'm still not used to being able to just plug in my Xbox controller right into the PC. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely enough, I come from a time when you weren't able to do that and joysticks were kind of a tough thing to set up on a PC. If anybody remembers calibration, now everything auto-calibrates, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, no, I got it for PS4 and then a digital copy later for uh, Xbox One.
0: So does it really capture the mood of Symphony of the Night so far from uh, your experience playing it? Or, I mean, how would you compare, to give uh, the listeners kind of a base, how would you compare to Symphony of the Night so far? Uh would you say it's probably uh would you about the same? would you say that it's better than Symphony of the night or would you say you know a fun game but not quite the uh, as good as Symphony of the Night was,
1: so I haven't had enough time for it to make like that giant of a decision um you know what I mean whether it's better on par with Symphony night? Now, because I've just been getting through the demo of version, you know, portion that was already released, um, I will say that it is kind of similar to Symphony of the Night. You're in a different area. Enemies definitely are different. They don't necessarily, like, once they appear, they don't move right away in the starting area. Um, and then you can be in another area in which You know what I mean? There's lots of movement. Now, disclaimer, I don't know for sure, because I'm only playing on the lowest difficulty, which I usually play my games on the lowest difficulty. So playing on the harder difficulties, they may be, you know, different. Um, But so far, it's been pretty good. I mean, instead of, you know, having candles and having enemies drop Items, you know, there's items in chests that you just get as you explore. Like right now, I'm on a ship. The enemies drop shards. So instead of a difference is instead of your base uh, sub weapons that you have in Castlevania and Symphony of the Night, now you have kind of like a magic type system that the shards from enemies will, you know, you'll embed yourself with them. And then you'll have different magical powers. Like, so far, I've been able to get, like, a bouncing ball of water. And then the other one I've been able to get is kind of a flamethrower that's directional.
0: Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm I'm planning on getting it. Uh, it's just, like I said, I'm going to wait till I'm going to kind of see what happens, how the, like, the Switch version and the Xbox One version compare to each other. So, if there's not really that significant of a difference... I mean, I'll probably go with the Xbox One version, but, I mean, if there's something about the Switch version that's significantly different, I might go with the Switch. But, anyways.
1: Now, just because I saw it's not on the list, but I'm just thinking about it now that you mentioned the Switch. Something you might want to check out. I don't know if I'm going to check it out yet, either. Do you remember we were talking, I think we were talking about the Secret of Mana remake? Yes, yes. On the uh, Nintendo Switch, they just came out with the collection of Mana, which comes out with Final Fantasy Adventure, the originals, and these are all the original, Final Fantasy Adventure, Adventure, which was actually the secret well, Mana 1, then Secret of Mana, the original one for SNES, and then... Pretty much and Nendensa 2, which are 3, which is the third Secret of Mana, or, and they're renaming that Trials of Mana. Um, and they're bringing that out to Switch, which that, the third one never came out. Hmm.
0: I might take a look into that because I did enjoy the original Secret of Mana, well, the, the one we got on the Super Nintendo. I played a little bit of uh, Final Fantasy Adventure. I don't remember getting too too much into that particular game. So I, I mean, it's one of one of those things where I, I'll have to take a look at it, and you know, maybe if it goes on sale, I might pick it up. But that is, I mean, it is cool that we do start to that we are starting to see some more of these remakes. Which, okay, I know we're moving ahead on our syllabus here, but uh, Final Fantasy VII. Speaking of remakes, they did announce a. Uh, A new date for it. So, right now, the estimated release date is going to be March 3rd, 2020. So, have you had a chance to check out the new trailer?
1: Oh my god, yes. I was a little. uh, Until I read some of the on hand people doing it, the trailer was awesome, right? But there was a feeling in the trailer of. The, all the enemies seem to be taking ping damage, if that makes sense. And I I love the graphics. I love the thing. The only thing that I was a little concerned about was some of the combat flow and how hard you were hitting slash how long it would take to kill a boss, if that makes sense. But from after watching some of the people with hands-on impressions, I was able to take a look and say, okay, so maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I'm thinking. Because apparently there's a combo system, let's say. And as long as you follow that, um, the flow of combat goes a little bit better.
0: Okay. Because I think it looks interesting, and I'll probably pick it up uh, at, I mean, probably not going to pick it up on release date, but eventually I plan on picking it up. Because I mean, I admit I'm old school where I have kind of gotten used to the whole, you know, stand in a line and occasionally step forward and take a swing with your weapon. But honestly, Final Fantasy 15 did change my mind on the whole action RPG thing where, again, it's not just standing in a line, taking turns, hitting each other, where you actually move around and there's a bit more strategy involved. So, I don't know, like I said, I... I I do hope to pick it up eventually. So, and in the Final Fantasy Record Keeper game, of course, to commemorate the new trailer, they introduced a new Final Fantasy Relic draw. Which, by the time you know you hear this, listener, I think it might it it may have passed. But uh, I, and I didn't actually des- I decided not to draw on it because I looked at the relics they were offering. They weren't offering any new relics, but it's just I had too many of the relics on the list. And it's like, okay, chances are if I draw on that particular banner, I'm probably going to get a lot of dupes. So yeah, but, and it wouldn't surprise me when it does finally come out, they're probably going to have some big hoopla. You know, I'm sure they're going to have a uh, new relics of course, and they're probably going to, uh, you know, introduce a new version of final fantasy seven. So yeah, lots of things that they can do once that game comes out, but well, moving on, the next story I have, this is something that's going to be more of interest to fans of old-school D&D computer games. This fall and winter, some classic D&D computer games are coming to consoles. Uh, they have confirmed that Baldur's Gate, the Enhanced Edition pack, uh, Planescape Torment, and Icewind Dale, and Neverwinter Nights are going to be coming to the Switch, the Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Now, the first one, Baldur's Gate, uh, the Enhanced Edition pack includes Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition, Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition, and Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear. Have you ever played any of the Baldur's Gate games?
1: Yeah, I I actually have them on my computer. Well, I... I had to reimage my computer, as I think I said in the previous one. But uh, I had them before on my computer, and for the enhanced editions, and I do like them. They're kind of old school. It was o- it was always nice to be able to play D and D just on the computer and not have to worry about stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, getting people together, cleaning up the house, uh, getting new refreshments, and now the second pack is actually a very unusual combination: Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale Enhanced Edition, which will include both games as well as all the downloadable content. Now, I'm probably going to consider picking up that one. I have played Icewind Dale, and I did enjoy it. Uh, the I, I thought it had an interesting twist at the end. And all in all, it was a fun game, and it did feel like you were playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And uh, Planescape Torment, haven't played it, but I've heard that it, it is actually a really good game and it did have a, it actually had a very good story, I, I understand. And the, never did anything in the Planescape setting, but I did like the concept. So that one I think would be worth a look as well. And then finally, Never Winter Nights, which I could take it or leave it. Uh, from what I, I think that was like an online game.
1: No. Well, yes and no. And that's my concern with it, is that um, the story, the actual game itself, that that one was not the best received. People had a lot of criticism, but the thing that came out of it was that it had its tool set that you could create entire campaigns and entire you know games pretty much within it um, and host them online and they had tons of these, you know, self-made games that really turned into being a lot better than the main campaign that it was running. And that's the question I have. Are they going to keep that for the new, you know, console versions where you're going to have this ability? Now, I'm imagining there's not going to be cross-play with it, but, you know what I mean, are they going to just keep the campaign or will they include the entire tool set and ability to upload your your own versions of the games with it? Because if you're not, you're taking half the reason people, you know, really got into Neverwinter Nights, taking that reason away from people because the, the biggest draw on them was the tool set to, co- to create your own, you know, pretty much games.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure. I didn't read if they are gonna include that or not. But I it sounds like an interesting idea. So I'm sure if it was a popular feature, they'll try to probably try to find some way to include it, because I think if anything, you know, especially like Super Mario Maker, has shown that, you know, these uh, fan created content can be done and people actually do really enjoy it. So.
1: No. Now, I forget, did you have Super Mario Maker, slash, did you guys pick that one up, and are you guys figuring on picking up the second one, the Super Mario Maker 2?
0: Yes, we do have the first Super Mario Maker, and I haven't decided if I was going to, if I'm going to pick up Mario Maker 2. I'm not going to go out of my way to get it, but I don't know, we'll have to see if, like, uh, you know, my son, if he, if he asks... Uh, grandma and grandpa for it for like his birthday or christmas because honestly my son is weird well then again look whose kid he is so i guess that explains a lot but i I mean with my son it's like he goes when it comes to video games he tends to go in streaks where like Mm. he'll he'll really get into one game series for a while and then something else will come along and he'll really get into that and then you know it like for example for a while he was really really into the the Mario games then for a while he was really really into the Sonic games and then he discovered Legend of Zelda right now he's Final Fantasy that's his primary uh game that uh he's getting into cuz we did pick up 9 10 and 10-2 for the Switch and Good games yep and of course both of us have played Final Fantasy 15 uh, he has the version on the computer, and then I've got the Xbox version. So, yeah, it, it depends. Like I said, I'm not going to go out of my way to get it. So if we do get it, it'll probably be because my son asked for it as a birthday gift. But, like I said, we'll have to see if he's into Mario games when it comes out. So.
1: Oh, yeah. See, I have a, fr- I have a friend when all the Mario games come out. I didn't have a Wii. He had a Wii. And they're just like we don't like Mario games. Sorry. I was like I can't play Mario now. Nobody will buy them anymore. Nobody likes them.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of Nintendo, uh, the recently Nintendo the uh, new CEO Doug Bowser announced that they are going to rele- They are going to be delaying the release of Animal Crossing until 2020. And the reason he cited was for the sake of employee health. And as a result, Nintendo lost about a billion dollars in its stock value. Which, of course, for us, that sounds like a lot of money. I doubt that, combi- I doubt that any of us will ever see anywhere near... Uh, heck, I'd be happy if I ever saw a million dollars in my lifetime. <laughs> but...
1: Hell, at once I'd be happy if I got, you know, $100,000. <laughs> just <laughs> at once, you know what I mean? It's like...
0: Yeah, so the... Uh, I said, it's unfortunate that their stock value took a hit, but it doesn't seem like it's going to hurt the company very much because the that billion dollars uh, is about three and a half the total percent value of the company right now. And like I said, I have to give Doug Bowser credit for making this decision because uh, actually just a few days before I saw the that article, there was another one I saw in Time Magazine where game developers are trying to fight crunch, which in the game developing industry, uh, usually what they mean by crunch is, you know, maybe a game is it's due to it needs to be completed by June first, but it's you know it's April first and the game's only seventy five percent done, so for the next two months you've got a bunch of game developers that are working 16-hour days in order to get the game developed. And so, like I said, the fact that Nintendo was willing to do this and that they're specifically doing it so their employees can have more of a work-life balance and that they, they wanted, and I don't know if this was Doug Bowser who said this or uh, someone else I was speaking on behalf of the company, but, again, they saw this as an important step to make sure that not only are they giving their employees that work-life balance but in the end it's going to result in a better product so this just makes me want to support nintendo even more that they're willing to do this because i mean come on i'm sure you've probably worked for at least one company that you know they look at you and they're like work-life balance (laughs) you want that quit and go find another job
1: that was that was my Technically, that was my entire last job in a way. I, I do have to say in this culture that we have that I, I don't truly understand because look at Anthem and look at some of the stories about Anthem um, that until the last six months to to almost the last year, they didn't really have a stable even concept of the game yet they rang their, you know, employees dry mentally and emotionally. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's nice to see companies that can just go, you know, like how Activ- well, Activision Blizzard used to be, or Blizzard, for example. Hey, you know what? It's finished when it's finished. You know, we're not going to rush it. We're not going to worry about it. We're going to let our people work on it, and that's going to be it. Nowadays, there's always such a, you know, just it has to be done by this date or else we'll meet stock expectations or we'll we'll miss this. And the people who are suffer, suffering are the people who don't, you know, most of them are salary people, don't get any overtime, don't get anything. And there's a lot of Japanese developers, too. They don't get to see their children for many days out of the year because they're they're working so hard on you know their games, so it's nice to see that you know Nintendo, especially with any game, you know just taking the stand and saying, "Hey, we understand we want a quality product, and we want people to be able to work on the next project, not to be burnt down and quit,
0: yeah, and I know japan uh, I've heard that they've got a real problem in that country with overworking where there's always this you know this col- corporate culture and this push to work hard and advance up in the ranks through the company, even if it means that it's going to cost you personally. And uh, there's a, a YouTuber that I've mentioned every now and then, Gaijin Goomba, and he he's done some series, uh, he's done some episodes about a couple of Japanese animation series that actually do have. Very intelligent social commentaries. And he, I forgot the name of the series, but he was mentioning where there was one where uh, the president of this company, you know, who was always belittling and insulting his employees, he, there, it was something about like a train that took souls to the afterlife, where he had to confront the people that he literally worked to death. Because there were workers that, you know, they were just getting, they were working too much and they were, you know, they were being forced to work long hours. They were having to endure uh, harassment from the boss and their superiors and some of them ended up taking their lives. So, like I said, I don't remember the name of the, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the anime series, but, uh, it sounded like it's interesting it might be something worth checking out and uh i mean i think you have a subscription to crunchyroll don't you yeah i do okay so yeah i i know one of the animes that he's talked about i think it's like okay the name just, just fell out of my head right when i was about to mention it but i don't know maybe i'll, I'll send you a link to it later if uh if you're interested but
1: oh yeah no definitely cuz i'm very cuz i know there's one I forget what it is. It came out either last year or the year before, um, but it was one that took a look at the actual, either it was anime or manga artists, and kind of the tough time they have on how many hours that they have to do for how many, I think it was a manga artist but it was an anime into the manga culture and workplace. And it really turned a lot of people's opinions of that entire thing because it was pretty harsh, I think.
0: Um, Actually, let me just double check. uh, I'm going to see if I can find the video on YouTube here. Um, Yeah, I know one of the ones he mentioned was Gege no Kitaro. Uh, which that one, I remember he had an episode where it was talking about how it was calling out Logan Paul and the, a lot of these other people who were, you know, the social media stars that, you know, it's kind of weird to explain, but, uh, yeah, that, I don't know if it was that one or if it was a different one. Uh, I know he also talked about Aggresco, which is another, uh, series that I actually like watching and they just recently came out with season two on Netflix, where again, it addresses the the power that employers in Japan have over their employees. And he had one episode where he was talking about how, I, I mean, just the way you talk in your everyday conversation is di- you know di- is going to be different depending on who you're talking to. Like for example, if you see your boss, you don't just the way you would say good morning to your supervisor you 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 say it differently than you would say to you know one of your coworkers who's at the same level as you yeah and then you know however if you are deal on the phone dealing with another company and you had to tell them that uh the boss was out of the office again there's different uh, there there's different ways you would say that so he's like yeah it can be really confusing and it's almost, it's no wonder why Some people in Japan do go crazy from working too much. And it's just not just the long hours, but yeah, all the social formalities they have to deal with. So, But to get back on track when we talk about uh, crunch and how the video game industry treats its programmers. You know, it's funny because uh, another podcast I was listening to, they were talking about the early days of the console wars. And they were talking about how Atari developed as a company where what they used to do is they used to be a lot more uh, carefree with their work environment where if they, you know, if they finished programming a game on time, then, you know, they would throw these huge parties for them and supposedly uh, certain illegal substances would be involved in these parties as well. And, you know so they just threw these big huge wild parties but then of course the suits took over and uh one of the things that caused a lot of friction and a lot of loss of morale in the company is some of these programmers were like hey you know can we can we have like a small percentage of a uh, royalty for every copy of a game that we sell you know that we program and it wasn't even that much it was like a fraction of a percent but something that you know if a game sells you know several thousand copies it can actually it can be a decent bonus and one of the uh, managers at atari said to the, the employee that asked that you know you are no more important to the success of this game than the person on the assembly line who puts it together and it was pretty much laughed out of the office and there was another story where uh again another guy at atari was telling a disgruntled programmer that you know i could hire a monkey to program this game so unfortunately it seems that particular aspect hasn't really changed much in the game industry
1: that's the sad thing about it there's been a lot of talk especially in europe about video game designers starting um unions and trying to unionize they have no guarantees and you know when We talk about work conditions in any of our industries here. We're not understanding some of the things. I mean, some of them, you know, there's been words about they bring a sleeping bag and a pillow and they sleep for, you know, maybe four hours at their desk just to get up and, you know, work some more on on what they're doing. You know what I mean? When we're talking work-life balance, there are true issues. And, You know, it's kind of like it's not slave labor. You know, a lot of these guys, I think, you know, don't get me wrong, are being paid well. It's not like they're not being paid well. But again, they're not getting the value from their time because they're all salary. They're not getting any overtime or whatnot. I know a big problem right now with Blizzard, according to one of their things, is they live in a really high priced area in California, right? And where you would be paid anywhere else in the country, it would be great to have that paycheck, right? Well, where they live, that's not even standard of living, hardly. You know, they have like four to six people in, you know, one apartment because one person can't afford an apartment there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard about uh, the cost of living out there in California and uh, another place I know it's really expensive Okay, this is a little off topic because New York, I mean, it's not not known as a hub of video game development. But uh, we had some friends that back in the early 2000s moved out to New York. And they were told that when they were looking for a house, don't even bother with anything less than $400,000 because it'll be a dump. And that just boggled my mind because at least in our area... $400,000 Four hundred thousand dollars will get you a pretty nice house.
1: Yeah, and, no, definitely.
0: And you know they decided, well, let's take a look. And sure enough, any house they looked at that was less than four, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars was a dump. So, but yeah, I've heard about California how it's there's some places out there where it's just ridiculously expensive to live. So hopefully other companies will follow suit they will hopefully follow Nintendo's example on this and they'll start to realize that hey the people that program the games that are making the money for the company they deserve to have a life too
1: well and I got to imagine it's it's pretty hard you know to be in the middle of the pro- of a project and have somebody You know, in some of these stories go on like an FMLA for six months and just lose that person. You know, that just puts, you know, it's kind of like a domino effect. You know, you lose one or two people, you know, what's going to happen? It's it's not really sustainable, you know, slash. And you're not putting forth, you know, good quality product Mm -hmm. at that point.
0: Yep. Well, moving on to a more cheerful story. Your doctor might be playing video games on his cell phone in the free time. And that actually might not be a bad thing. Uh, There was a story that I uh, read not too long ago, a company called Level X, EX. And what they do is they specialize in medical simulators. Now, these are not certainly not new. Now, uh, I remember a friend of mine growing up had a computer game. I think it was called Life or Death. And was that title ring a bell for you?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: And I know there've been other games where, uh, and we tried playing this life or death game where, uh, you know, you'd have the patient come in and then what you would do is you'd feel around on their, you know, torso and say, okay, does it, and they would tell you if it hurts or if it doesn't hurt. And then, you know, you would get their vital statistics and then you would have to make a diagnosis. well, Technology has allowed games like this to move from the PC to your smartphone. And Level EX has four games that are currently out. They're free to download, so if you want to check them out, you certainly can. Uh, there is Airway EX, which is designed for an histolo- Okay, uh, anastologists, Anast- Anast- uh, the guys
1: Anesthesiologists.
0: Who- yes, those guys. <laughs> Gastro EX for the guys who specialize in gast- gastronomy. Is that what it is? Stomach stuff. Uh, Plume EX for plumologists. And cardio EX for cardiologists. Now, again, they have some of them more that they're developing. I heard, though, that they canceled the development of Proctology EX because apparently the lead developer was anal retentive and thought the game would be full of crap.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm thinking he'd be right.
0: But, you know, if they market it correctly, I bet they'd sell a buttload of those games.
1: You know, it's just, you know, what you're into. (laughs) Some people are into that. I'm not even going to say that. I can't. Okay, well... I can't. can't. There are things that I can, that's something I can't even. I'm just letting you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what's interesting about this game is that some of the scenarios that you can uh, try your hand at in these games are based on real-life cases that were submitted by emergency room doctors. So, I I don't know if you had a chance to read the article or not, but I thought that was interesting. Because, okay, these are real situ... I mean, it might sound crazy. Like, I remember reading one of them was about a carpenter that somehow inhaled a nail. And it's like, you might think...
1: That would have to be painful.
0: I would imagine so. But it's one of those things where you'd have to think, okay, there's no way that could have ever really happened. But turns out, yeah, it is an actual documented case. And in some cases, doctors can even earn continuing education credits by successfully performing certain scenarios in this game so what are some of your thoughts on this story
1: hey getting getting doctors to know even more about their field you know and having now the question i have because you know how good you know are the simulations you know how how realistic are they and all that kind of thing that aside I'm all for it because, you know, it's one kind of distressing, you know, doctors don't get a lot of time off when they're when they're in and doing stuff and making them better at their craft. I say, you know, go to it. You know, I I still want to see the um, YouTube video of, uh, you know, real doctor place surgeon simulator.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a good idea because at least this way, if the doctor makes a, a bad diagnosis, no one dies. So again, mm-hmm. I, I think it should be interesting to see what other type of games they develop for this series. And is this actually, isn't a new idea. Uh, Cause again, we did mention, well, at least the idea of doctors playing video games, because I remember many years ago, uh, seen a story about a doctor who recommended that other doctors, specifically surgeons, play video games as a way to develop hand-eye coordination. And he was just, specifically the game he was mentioning was Super Monkey Ball on the Nintendo GameCube. So okay. he would often play that because he felt that it helped him work up the manual dexterity and the hand-eye coordination he needed to be a good surgeon. So that I thought that was a, I don't know, I just thought that was one of those one of those nice little feel good stories that we get to talk about every now and then. I agree. So moving on to our next story. Now, do you uh, have a subscription in Netflix?
1: Uh, Not right now. I need to get it because Jessica Jones just came out with season three. Stranger things. I don't think comes out till um, October. Fourth of July. Oh, fourth of July. Okay. So maybe it's time. And there are a lot of stuff that I just have missed. So I do need to, bring it up and grab it um, again. But right now I, I don't actually.
0: Yeah. Cause we have a net sub we have a Netflix subscription and uh, we got it a few years ago because we, well we, my wife and I looked at the TV shows we were watching and most of the stuff we watched was on network TV and the also actually the real, the reason I got Netflix is because at the time I was taking a, class uh, in college when I was working on my IT degree I was taking a class on movies for you know in cinema for uh, an elective and some of the movies that the professor had for us were on Netflix so that's how we got the Netflix subscription and ended up keeping it and as I was saying my wife and I were like well most of the shows we watch are either on Netflix or on network TV and by this time my son had pretty much grown out of cartoons so he was more into video games so we dumped cable and stuck with netflix and i enjoy it and how what does this have to do with video games well uh, netflix is going to expand into the video game industry and they are licensing out some of their titles to video game developers now there is a stranger thing video game that is due to come out on July 4th, again, the same day the new series premieres, their season premieres. And also they're releasing another game that serves as a prequel to The Dark Crystal. Now, did you uh, get a chance to watch Stranger Things at all, or have you not had a chance to see it because of not having Netflix?
1: I did watch seasons one and two. I think it's kind of interesting. Don't exactly know what's going on completely, but I, I I do say I like it. Um, that's why i'm looking forward to season three i was gonna say that's about all i can say about that i i like it
0: <laughs> yeah my wife and i we enjoy it as well and i i know we're guilty of binge watching it so i i'm excited to see what they can do with uh stranger things on a console based game because i know they i'm pretty sure they did release a smartphone game of stranger things now i it would be interesting to see what they could do with the dark crystal I enjoyed that movie. It had kind of this weird, alien, surreal feel about it.
1: I love Dark Crystal, and the, just so you know, the new game for the Dark Crystal will be on Nintendo Switch. I don't know, I think it's coming out on multiple, you know, consoles or whatnot, but I'm not sure, and it'll be a Final Fantasy Tactics type game.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard, and it's supposed to serve as a prequel to the Dark Crystal movie. And I know yep. I, I used to annoy my wife because after we watched that movie, you know, those like vulture-like creatures, there's that one that's always like, hmm. Mm-hmm,
1: the Skixies. Mm-hmm, yes.
0: Yes. The Skixies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That was, an, I, I would annoy my wife and I'm sure I probably annoyed the listeners by saying that. So now of the, any Netflix series that you're familiar with, are there any that you would like to see as a video game?
1: Voltron, maybe. um You know, just saying it out there. You know, when's the last time Voltron got a video game? Not especially, no. I mean, you can't really do Marvel, you know, because well. <laughs>
0: well, there's already been a lot of Marvel games, so.
1: Yeah, but but based on you know Luke Cage or you know Jessica Jones or whatnot, there's a couple of anime that came out for that. You know, that maybe you know having some of the. Anime. Well, actually, well, it's not a Netflix one, there's, uh, what's the, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, they came out with a PS4 game that I've never, you know, played or really looked into, but they have a PS4 game. But yeah, I don't know, uh, what's the one, the Orange is the New Black, you know, do you need a prison simulator? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That would be interesting. I'm not sure if it would work, but a prison simulator. Uh, but one series that I think would be interesting is uh, that could have some potential ideas. There's one called Love, Death, and Robots. So it, it was an episodic series where you know, it just it was an anthology series. There were just several episodes, uh, not related in any way. Some of the episodes were just a few minutes long. Others were you know about a half hour. You know, or more. So there were some uh, interesting episodes in that series that I think could make for a good game. But it should be interesting to see what they do with this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely. Well, it's kind of just on a other thing I was thinking about with this. It's kind of the opposite of what we have normally. You know, movies to video games are bad. So what uh, you know or you know video game movies are bad what happens when you take a movie or a series and take that and put that in a video game we don't get that very often well, and
0: well we get a lot you know, of movie based video games and you know of course there have been video games based on tv series and yeah they're pretty well on the bright side we don't have to worry about them giving the license to LJN because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know cuz some of the games the they yeah, because some of the games they did on licensed properties were pretty terrible. Um, I mean, honestly, some of them I think were they they had interesting ideas behind them. It's just they weren't executed very well. So yeah, they
1: never seem to they never seem to be. That's why I I mean I know we get a lot of them over the years. I just don't think recently we've gotten a lot of them unless I'm wrong.
0: Well, you know, we still see the occasional movie based games. So. I mean it should be interesting to see where they go with this and hopefully uh they get a good they get a good developer so we don't get you know we don't get games that are basically just cash grabs where it's like hey Stranger Things is popular right now so let's make a game based on Stranger Things and turns out the game sucks and well by the time everyone realizes it sucks the company has already made bank and left the industry
1: I'll have to show you a uh, Bethesda on Fallout seventy six. The it's called. It just works, and it's so funny because it's so true. I think I shared it on Facebook, but um, yeah, that kind of shows what we get when you just oh, it's this, you know, it's the video game movie. Okay, or it's the video game of the movies. So this is just what we get.
0: Yep. Well, moving on. Konami has announced that they're go- they're going to jump on the plug and play bandwagon by releasing a TurboGrafx 16 plug and play similar to the, you know, like the Super Nintendo Classic, the NES Classic and the uh, you know the the Genesis Classic, so and the, you know, of course the PS1 Classic as well. Now, I think it's an interesting idea because Honestly, the TurboGrafx-16 never really caught on over here in the States. Now, from what I understand, it did do much better in, I think, Europe, Japan, and I think it did pretty good in South America as well. But yeah, Mm -hmm. here in the U.S., they just couldn't get a foothold because everyone was either into their Nintendo or their Sega. Now, have you played a lot of uh, TurboGrafx-16 games?
1: You no, know, a friend of mine had had the Turbo sixteen, and, w- and it was pretty cool. Pretty cool, but um, I think one of the big things was not everywhere carried the Turbo sixteen. So it wasn't like you know where you could go to wherever and buy a Nintendo, you know, or Super Nintendo at the time or a Genesis. You had to go to a special electronic store to buy a Turbo Graphics.
0: I mean, I never knew anyone growing up who had a TurboGrafx-16. The only place I remember ever seeing them on sale was at Babbage's. And when I was in college, I had a friend who uh, had a TurboGrafx-16. But other than that, the only games I've played for it were either in the arcades or games that were released on the Wii Virtual Console. Now, the list that they have so far consists of R-Type, which, you know, it's it's a good game. It's a, you know, classic arcade-style shooter. New Adventure Island, Ninja Spirit, Yeez, Book 1 and 2, Dungeon Explorer, and Alien Crush. Now, of those games, in addition to R-Type, I have played Ninja Spirit, and I've played Dungeon Explorer. I got both of them for the Wii Virtual Console. I was not very impressed with either one of them. Uh, no, Dungeon...
1: which, one, which, one, which one were
0: those again? Ninja Spirit, which is a side-scrolling uh, platform game where, yeah. you, you know, you were playing a ninja. I think you were probably trying to, you know, avenge your family or something. It's It's been a while since I played it. But you had four different weapons, and then you got your power-up for it. It was a difficult game. And I don't know. Like I said, I just never really got into it. Dungeon Explorer, I respect what they tried to do. They tried to make it a co-op gauntlet-style game, but it was just way too hard for me. Uh, maybe part of it. Maybe it's one of those games that's easier if you have multiple players. But like I said, I think it had a good concept behind it uh, because you had different classes you could choose, just like you could in Gauntlet. It's just said it just didn't. Uh, it wasn't as memorable or as well executed as Gauntlet was, at, at least in my experience playing it. Okay. I did have a the friend of mine who had the TurboGrafx 16. I know he had one of the yees games cuz I remember that was the one where you you walked into enemies to attack them, so it's not, you yep. didn't like press your attack button. Uh Alien Crush I think is a pinball game. Yep. So yeah, I could take it or leave it. Now, I know the Japanese version is set to get Rondo of Blood, uh Castlevania, which I did get for the Wii Virtual Console and is one of my favorite Castlevania games. So hopefully they'll include that on the U.S. version as well.
1: Yeah, no. Um, For my part, um, it was Bunk's Adventure. That was the awesome uh, TurboGrafx-16 game. There There was the main game, too, that seemed to be pretty cool. But the main one was... Bonk that Bonk's Adventure and there was another one that I can't remember I know they bought ease books one or two uh those ones in were on the TurboGrafx CD because like Genesis they had a CD yep. uh, ROM device and it was always interesting because they had it's at least it seemed back then like they had a lot of cutscenes.
0: yeah because Rondo of Blood I know was a CD game Another one of the CD games that I got for the virtual console was Lords of Thunder, which was a side-scroller shooter that had an awesome heavy metal music score to it. So, again, difficult as heck, but still, you know, it was a fun game. I never really got too far in it, but I enjoyed playing it just for the music.
1: (laughs) Um, I do know that that is one of the things that the PC Engine... Slash, you know NEC Turbo Graphics. That's one of the things that was known for was they had a huge staple of side-scrolling shooters, and that was a big thing. There was a lot of games like Twin Honeybee, I think, or Twin Bee, Twin Bee, and and other things like that that never got released in the U.S. And like you said before, in Japan, this was a very prominent system for the PC Engine, and they even brought out, I think, a PC Engine Two um which we never even saw
0: yeah not sure uh but yeah we probably didn't, wouldn't have seen it over here just because yeah the uh the pc engine or turbo graphics just never never did very well over here but well this brings us to our opinion section and the opinion is could games as a service be somewhere in the future now obviously this is not a new idea We've seen subscription-based games like World of Warcraft and EverQuest do really well, but here's what made me think about this topic a while ago. Yeah, maybe about two weeks or so ago, uh, one of the YouTubers I watch every now and then, Tech Review USA, uh, the he did an episode where he was talking about the announcement that Apple made that they're going to be ending the iTunes Store. And now, of course, I was panicking because I've bought no small amount of music off of iTunes, but fortunately, they did announce that the buying songs individually, that part I guess is going to go away, uh, they want they're going to replace it with a streaming service. However, if you purchased a you know any music off of iTunes, you'll still be able to listen to it. Uh, You'll still have access to those songs. And not only that, you'll still be able to listen to any songs that you ripped off of CDs or got imported from other sources. But his, his show was about, the topic was about how could we be moving towards music as a service? Where, again, you just pay a flat monthly fee and then you get to stream all the songs you want. Which he was saying has its own pros and cons. I mean, in the long run, in the short term, it might be cheaper, but in the long run, it's basically just a way for Apple to keep their hand in your your wallet. Uh, Like he was pointing out, okay, usually most albums on iTunes are around $10. And, you know, so the, okay, so paying $10 for a month, yeah, you get that album and then you can also listen to other things too. But if you keep that going for a year, then, well, you've spent $120, And if you're really not, you know, really not getting a lot of new music and you're just listening to the same stuff, is that really worthwhile for you? And I I guess they're also going to do an option where you can download stuff. So if you're going to be offline, you know, you're not going to be near a, a Wi-Fi source. And I know Microsoft has also moved towards software as a service with Microsoft Office. And when I got my new computer, I was going to also try to get, I was thinking of getting a new version of Microsoft Office because, I mean, I use that program a lot for my writing and my, my book publishing I do. Plus the version I have right now is 2010. So again, it's a little, little dated. But then when I went to the store, instead of having the box with the program, you had this little card. And I was looking into it, and apparently what they want you to do with Microsoft Office right now is it costs like, depending on the version you get, it costs anywhere from like $50 to $130. Now, do you know how much a physical copy of Microsoft Office usually costs?
1: Uh, 98 to 400 I think, depending on which package you get. Um, yeah
0: because the the version I had I got when I was still in college so I got the academic discount but but yeah I mean you're right uh if you were to get it just retail it can set you back a few hundred dollars now the problem I have with this is I don't think it really works for something like Microsoft Office because I mean if cuz what you have to do is it's a subscription now where you would have to pay a monthly renewal fee And, or not monthly, I'm sorry, a yearly renewal fee. So, okay, $99, but that's only for the first year. And then each year you have to pay another $99 to keep your subscription current, which again might be cheaper in the long run. But I mean, if I did that when I, I mean, I've been using the same version now of, you know, Microsoft Office for, you know, about eight, nine years now. And, So if I was paying about $100 or more a year, I would have spent way more than it would cost just to get the program. So I don't think it really works for software, but what about video games? What is your thoughts on this whole idea of video games as a
1: service? All right. So just something to let you know about the Microsoft Office one. They're actually doing something also that's kind of skeevy a little bit with the Microsoft thing. Love you, Microsoft, but come on. They're actually, the, there was an article on, I believe, CNET or Ars Technica that they are keeping features out of the regular boxed programs, that they're only upgrading, slash, they're only doing things in the office 360 versions of the of the office so where you could be getting you know your office professional you know some of the tool sets and other things that you would normally get with the box programs you're not getting anymore because they're reserving those for these people who pay the subscription and that's now for games now there's two types of games as service that we have in the video game realm We've got what everybody wants to go to where there's day, day one DLC, um, the, the game is ongoing, there's, there's patches or whatnot to improve it, and they want to keep you paying microtransactions and whatnot for as long as possible because they, they want to get as much money on a game as, as possible. And that's what they're calling games of service, at least in the video game in- industry. The other one is something like Microsoft has, which is Microsoft Game Pass, where you pay a subscription and you can pay old, play all the games you want. It's got day one things. Uh, PlayStation calls it PS Now, where you kind of stream games like at first Xbox couldn't when you did Game Pass you couldn't download games now you can actually download games and they're bringing it out this year on PC um uh, so I don't know how that's going to work you know what I mean where you can just pay 9.99 and you can download anything you want but apparently it'll it'll work now between that I kind of like it I don't know how the streaming is going to work or what games are available but to play an entire category of games for like nine bucks a month you know i mean it's cheaper i guess and you have more choices you know than you do buying one sixty dollar game but at the same time i don't know what about months that there's nothing new out you know for that particular service and there's nothing you know, good or if, you know, your Internet's out, you can't play anything on it. So
0: I guess the thing that always just concerns me about the whole idea of moving towards games as a service, are they going to make it worth having this ongoing subscription fee? But the other concern is like, well, in the long term, is it going to be worth it to continually pay month by month for a game? Now I can understand how it can work okay for online games, but I usually don't play online MMOs and things like that. You know, I usually like my console games, like Final Fantasy. Okay, why would I? Why would I have to pay? Well, maybe that's not a good example, but I mean, I don't think a game like that would work as you know, as games as a service. I mean, yeah, they can always release download content, but. I don't know. It just to me it just seems like a a bad idea and I'm not sure how well they're going to be able to implement it.
1: Yeah, as somebody who plays MMOs and actually pays for like World of Warcraft and now I've gotten into Final Fantasy 14, I can tell you that there are sometimes, you know, are you going to get as much time into the game as what you pay out of it? Uh right now in WoW there's, you know, coming out there's going to be a new patch but for a long long time people were done with all the content already you know what i mean they're just sitting there having nothing to do and they had to end their su- a lot of people ended their subscriptions because what what is there love to do so in that place i'm guessing there's not really much you can say because you know once there's a drought account content it becomes you know a bad issue at least in an mmo now, Final Fantasy 14, there is probably more content in the game than I'll ever be able to finish, just to be perfectly honest. I'm actually kind of, like, surprised compared to WoW. Can a normal game, though, do that anymore? The problem I have with that theory, you know what I mean, if you bring it to, like, video games or not, is you're never going to get the dollar... And I think that's why we see so many free-to-play games, you know what I mean? You'll never get as much value as what you're paying into the subscription because they just don't have the ability to put out the content, if that makes any sense. They just don't have the resources or they're not willing to put, put the resources out there. Because, you know, you always need something new. You always need something. And you have to make sure that people are willing to pay for the content that you're putting out. So it always has to be, you know, kind of quality content or people are going to be bored and moved on.
0: Yeah, and you do make a good point because you can certainly keep pushing out the content. But if it's not worth the player's time and if it's just not good content, yeah, eventually they're going to move on to the next shiny thing. So I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see uh what happens, but personally I'm hoping that they don't try to I guess my my fear would be if they're trying to, to move in this direction for all types of games, not just the online ones. But I don't know, we'll see what happens. There wasn't any I mean, there's no specific story I heard about a company saying that we're going to move to just games as a service. It was just something I thought about when I heard that uh, iTunes was the iTunes Store was gonna uh, go bye-bye sometime in the future, which, like I said, made me sad. I'm glad at least I don't lose the music I've bought, but I, 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 given a choice, I would still rather have the freedom to buy whatever songs I want as opposed to paying a monthly fee and then being able to stream a ton of extra music, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just so you know, the games of service is uh, is coming out actually. For it's called Google Stadia.
0: Okay, because I'm not sure if we because didn't we cover a story a while ago where where we one company was talking about making uh like a Netflix for games where the games would be streaming.
1: Yep, and that's that's well, that's everybody right now. Um, PlayStation has their um PlayStation Now um and they're combining with uh Project X Cloud uh, which Microsoft I mean I'm pretty sure it's not the same thing or won't be named the same thing but both of them are looking at their streaming st- service but Google is actually coming out with a console or an app that you can put on your phone that allow you to stream games on any device and you just pay pay for the games the problem with it is that you're paying full price for games that you'll never truly own because if they ever lose the license or if they're ever pulled from the shop, they're just gone and your sixty bucks is gone with it.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I always prefer I'm always gonna prefer the physical product to the, the digital product because you know they can't take away the licensing rights for the physical copy of a game that I own. At least I don't think they can do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Once the server's shut down, depending if it requires a server connection, they can, but that's still... I don't think any of them have done that for single player. That's usually only multiplayer that that happens to. Yeah.
0: Well, any closing thoughts before we end today's show?
1: Um, E3 was sadness. Um, Nothing much... uh, Nintendo, you know, kind of was the winner overall. Bethesda is kinda sad in all reality. I am I am sad for Bethesda. Bethesda's sad for us. Microsoft was was good. I'm waiting for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, as everyone should be. <laughs> um, and otherwise I think that's about it for this week. Um all hail Ryzen, because Ryzen looks like it's going to be pretty good for the new Ryzen chipset getting a little too computer geeky there but (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, but yeah that's that those are my closing thoughts
0: well with that said uh certainly like to thank all of you for tuning in and you know i said since we've been moving to a monthly format at least for now uh probably wouldn't surprise me if some of the you know some of our episodes do tend to run a lot longer because we're going to have more stories to cover yay
1: more stories more not less more
0: yes now of course the only problem is some of the stuff stories we're probably going to be covering aren't exactly going to be cutting edge
1: what <laughs>
0: yes we're not we're not exactly covering news as it happens on this show but
1: we i thought that was the entire point i'm gonna to have to go cry
0: it's okay Kidding? wayne go 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 drown yourself in a, a beer and a nice game of bloodstained ritual of the night
1: Ooh, pretty
0: okay talk to you next time everyone and thanks for tuning in
1: thanks hey this is nick and alex and we're here to tell you a little bit more about dungeon junkies now we're a podcast that's based in austin texas and we are hell-bent on making you laugh Absolutely, we have some fantastic storytelling uh, with some badass characters and even better music, as well as a ton of jokes to make you laugh. So join Fenworth, Taryn, and Dr. Euphoria, and our sexy DM Kenny on a quest to save the world, or destroy it, (laughs) I guess whichever one comes first. (laughs) And you can also check out our Real Talk episodes where we get meta inside our campaign and really figure out the depths of our characters and also the story so check us out on www.dungeonjunkies.com or wherever you get your podcasts dungeon junkies because not all adventurers are meant to be heroes
0: you have been listening to a program from the point of insanity network Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POIGamestudio.